when a pop-up shows up and you want to click it away or you, and you accidentally misclick and you, you click on the pop-up, then the company might see, whoa, someone clicked their pop-up. Our pop-up is amazing. But I just misclicked. And I, every time I misclick, I get so angry on the inside because I know I gave them a positive number. Well, I get so frustrated. Kim, welcome to the podcast, Shit You Wish Your Building Did. Um, everyone out there, I would like to introduce Kim. She's the senior UX uh, researcher at GoodNotes app, which I thoroughly recommend. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Nice to uh, be here. Good. Yes. And um, I am super pleased that you agreed to have a little chat with us because I have this um, idea, right, that uh, we we as people who are who are using technology in commercial buildings are really bad at creating user experiences uh, and we're not doing a good job of that so really i wanted to talk to you today because you're an expert in that field and maybe understand what people who design construct buildings can learn about user experience um, as is being applied to you know the it in it at the moment so can we start off by you tell us a bit about, you know, what you do on a day to day basis and, you know, your your background? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my name is Kim and I have a bachelor in artificial intelligence and a master in human computer interaction. And with that combination, I started as a UX designer, which means that I design the experiences for people in apps and websites. Um, but I really wanted to focus on like researching the parts of that experience and not only designing it. So uh, I've specialized more into UX research and now I work as a senior user researcher at GoodNotes. But before that, I've worked at so many different companies. You know, when you're consulting, you get to see a lot of different industries. Uh, and I think a lot of different industries can even learn from each other. Uh, so I'm happy to talk to you about this. Yes, absolutely. And I totally agree, which is why we're having this conversation. Yeah. So on a, like, explain to me then, let's say you, you start uh, a project at a new um, uh, what, a company that you're, you started working at. What would, what would that look like? What kind of objectives are you getting towards? Explain maybe something along, along that. Yeah, so there are different levels, of course, on, on different perspective on where the client is at. Um, but it always starts with figuring out who the user is because it's called user research, right? And UX, user experience design. So how do you know what to design if you don't even know who the user is? So by understanding who the user is and understanding their problems and their goals, uh, we uh, design different solutions and we can test these different solutions. And many people see it as black and white, like you have to build it and then you have to test it. But there's so many different ways of testing an idea. Mm -hmm. um, that is mostly like what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, testing ideas and seeing that we're building um, the right thing, but also build things right. We can talk a bit about the double diamonds uh, later, uh, which is okay. like the methodology I use behind all of my work. Okay, um, great. But I... Uh, in reality, I try to make sure that we are building the right thing for the users and designing it in the right way, together with the stakeholders who are mostly 
concerned about making money and the engineers who are mostly concerned about can I actually build this? Uh, so it's a lot of stakeholder management and not only communicating what the user wants and needs. Yeah, managing expectations like a lot of different um, industries, absolutely. Yeah. You um, So you said, right, understand the user. Who, who are they? So that would be collecting information, I guess, uh, demographics. What else are you, how do you define users? Do you have categories for them or is it literally talking about like, and you know, writing a story about different ones? It's a really good question. I normally, because we work in IT, we have Google Analytics and a lot of other databases where we can look into on who is currently using our product. Um, there I have looked into demographics, age, um, uh, which software do they use? Do they visit us on their Android phone? Do they visit us on their MacBook? Um, how long do they use this app? Are there expert profiles? Are there like, how long do new people stick with us? Mm -hmm. There's so much data to look into, but it's also very important to keep in mind which users are not in there. Um, for example, when I lived in Stockholm and I worked with a lot of Stockholm-based e-commerces, they would only focus on people in Stockholm and they would serve all their needs in Stockholm, like 24 hours deliveries and like easy pickup. But then you forget that there are 6 million people not living in Stockholm. Um, we didn't even think about maybe serving these users. Um, and then you start interviewing the users who are maybe not your users yet and see how, how you can involve them. Okay, that was interesting what you said at the end, um, interviewing users. So again, that's another data source for you guys. Yeah, that is definitely uh, another data source because the data only tells you numbers. It tells you how many people are there, but it doesn't really tell you what the people are experiencing. And that's the core of my job, gathering these qualitative insights, asking the right questions on getting answers to questions we really need to know. Uh, I like to give the example of when when a pop-up shows up and you want to click it away or you and you accidentally misclick and you, you click on the pop-up, mm. then the company might see, whoa, someone clicked their pop-up. Our pop-up is amazing. But I just misclicked. And I every time I misclick, I get so angry on the inside because I know I gave them a positive number. Well, I get so frustrated on that I misclicked on the pop-up. So numbers are just numbers and it doesn't tell you anything about the experience. So what kind of questions, I obviously, okay, it varies, right, depending on what project you're doing, but could you generalize a little bit, like what are, what are the questions you would ask um, somebody? I mean, are you in the same room as them? Are you doing this over the phone? Are you watching them use the app while you, while you ask these questions? Uh, depends a bit on where on the point of research I am. If I am in exploratory research, meaning there is no app there is no website we're just figuring out is this an idea i would just talk with the user on an experience and i always talk about a real experience because real experience give real emotions if i ask you in general like what do you feel about the weather you're going to say oh in general it's really good but i'm not looking for the general one i want you to talk about the experience you had with the weather yesterday like was it raining? And how did you feel about the rain? Was it sunny? What did you feel about it? And you could actually 
by, by talking about real emotions, you get these real pain points and this real understanding of how a real person lives on their real life mm. uh, journey. Um, so I could do ethnographic research, meaning I go to the participant or the user and I just observe them, seeing them doing their job. I don't even interact with them. I'm like a fly on the wall trying to see and understand how they're doing their job. And then I can make a user journey of it and we can highlight pain points and we can take it from there. But I could also interview them on specific moments, which is a bit more concrete, getting actually getting their opinion on things. I could also show them a prototype and let them like order something on the prototype. Um yeah, this is a bit of luck, but this is like two years of study on like how to run interviews. But if you want to get into interviews, there is this book called uh, The Mom Test, and it's about asking the right question. Okay. Because some people, they, especially stakeholders, they think they can do my job because all I do is just talking with users, right? It's really fun and easy. You can, you can just talk about it. But when stakeholders or like business people talk with users, I always hear these leading questions mm. like, this is a great idea, isn't it? And no, no participant is gonna say no. This is a shit idea. They're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna say yes. This is a good idea. So by just asking the wrong question, you can get the wrong data point, and then you build your whole idea on the wrong data. So if you want to learn how to ask questions, you should read the mom test, and it's about how to interview your mom and still get valid data because your mom loves you, so she's gonna agree with everything you say. Nice, but if you ask the right questions, like. When is the last time you used a cookbook instead of, do you think it's a good idea to deliver a new cookbook? Of course she thinks that. But when's the last time she used one? She doesn't even remember. Then maybe delivering a new cookbook is not really what you should be doing. Interesting. So you're really trying to create a tool which uncovers these little nuggets of of information or data or pain points. I guess you mentioned, you, you mentioned that point earlier. Yeah. I... When I write this, I often try to write pain points and happy points because, of course, we don't only want to fix the pain points, but you want to elevate the happy points, right? You want to make a great experience. You want to have this, wow, yes, this product is helping me feeling instead of this product is doing the bare minimum. Mm. I mean, in your work for the company now, I don't know if you can talk about specifics, but you've got some some examples of where you did uncover something like that and it was like, okay, made a change to the to that app and it really it was successful i can talk about another anonymous company mm-hmm. so that we can keep it in the in the middle or please yeah who is. yeah um but we did a longer term uh, research on how we could deliver support to the customers um there we um built a, a proof of concept so we did a design sprint which means that we were with eight people from uh, multidisciplinary backgrounds into one room. And we started off with doing user research. So we tried to uncover the problem. Is it actually a problem? And then when we realized it is a problem, we iterated over different solutions and different designs. And then we uh, suggested one design to the leadership uh, that they hired a bunch of people who actually built um, this uh, solution on how to offer support uh, to the customers and that helped uh, 
like lowering the contact rate and giving happier users because they could actually support themselves instead of um, like wandering around and having to contact support. Mm. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you. The I guess now like maybe we can move the conversation a little bit to to buildings. I mean, mm-hmm. as a as a UX researcher, like everyone, right? You have some um, experience of using commercial buildings. I don't know, you know, like obviously offices, I guess, uh, hospital or healthcare buildings, et cetera, et cetera. What I mean, in, have you thought about this? Have you, it, do you, does it come to your mind right when you come into an office and you think, "Wow, this is a really crap user experience," or? Yes. <laughs> you know, you get influenced by your own job the whole yeah. time, right? I see it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, like websites, buildings. I'm just like, I'm ruined by <laughs> my own job. Um, I thought about the different offices that I've worked in lately. And um, funny enough, this is, this is going to be a controversial thought. I'm sorry, but funny enough, the one with cubicles actually a cubicle where I could close the door. I've never worked as efficient as in that office. Also, I've never been as unhappy in that office. And then I started thinking about what is the use? What does what does an employer actually want if I'm at work? Do they want me to have a good time, which I obviously did not have in a cubicle, or did they want me to deliver a good product, which I did in the cubicle? Um, I didn't stay there for very long though. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, and there are so many like it sometimes it feels like the building is there and we decided to put you in here and we made it work we put as many different people on this surface business level check user experience level not so much yeah. um, i've been in one office where i've heard how they designed the office where they focused on like different use cases and different experiences. And when I walk in that office, I get happy. I know where I can work and I know where I can chill. I know where I can watch a movie. I, there's this whole experience in this office happening that makes me smile and makes me feel like they have so much space here and they decided to not put a hundred desks in here. And that makes me just very happy. Okay. So you, you touched on some interesting things there. So it was, it was about having clearly defined areas like you, which you knew how to use. That made you feel happy. Yes. And just the fact that the company didn't decide to maximize the space with just putting a lot of desks in there and call it open office space. Mm. Because yeah. what, is, what is the purpose of open office space? What is the user goal being meet there except for the business goal having a lot of people per square meter. I think they they say that it's to do like collaboration. That's something I hear. So they'll say, okay, well, we'll try and, you know, the, they creating environments where people can meet uh, serendipity, serendipitously. Yeah. And, but, but also, how, yeah, go on. How, how often do you collaborate? Actually. Yeah. And how... Is that the highest need? Is the need really that you meet this serendipity and that you have this spontaneous conversations? Is is that the main use case? Because it feels like the only use case on an open office space, actually. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure again, it's probably due to 
optimizing the space as well, right? Um, yeah. So I'll come back to what you mentioned. Um, we talked first of all about data, right? And actually, that's sort of I can see the parallels with buildings. You mentioned Google Analytics. That's obviously a really uh, popular tool for measuring um, measuring data on websites. And like you know, similarly, like there's been a lot of work with measuring um, data points in buildings as well. Okay, you can't obviously call it Google Analytics, but like looking at uh, how people move through a space. Um, how many people are in a meeting room? Um, how many desks are free, et cetera, et cetera, all this. And they're collecting that data and they're trying to use that to optimize the space. And again, you know, people do also do a lot of um, user uh, feedback and everything. So that they, um, you know, I'm sure they do a lot of employee surveys and um, obviously following people as well. So, um, I feel like you know they are collecting more data, but I still think yeah. there's there's things missing, you know, in in how we think about user experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, one thing that I was interested in, uh, you know, as I write about technology, I mean, do you feel like that is missing from the equation? Like you haven't actually mentioned it yet. Like, are there points where you think technology could help? create a better user experience yeah i think it's what's the challenging point here for me is that it is very agile well building a building is pretty waterfally it's like when the building is there it's really there uh, and i think if like we could take a bit more of the agile attitudes now i don't have any experience in building buildings so i'm sorry if i'm going to say something stupid uh but if if you like instead of building it and then like reflecting on how it's built and how it's being used like start with the reflecting on how something is being used and then take that input to like building the next one having this qualitative insights uh, focusing around the user um so in in within ux design and ux research we use a double diamond uh, in the first double diamonds, so it's like two diamonds, like like one, yeah. two, next okay. to each other. In the first one, you focus all about um, designing the right thing. Like, are we making are we making sure that this solution is solving a purpose? Mm-hmm. And then the next item is about designing things right. Like, okay, we have the right idea, but we also have to build it right. Mm-hmm. Like a great idea, bad buildly is still a bad idea. Yeah. And I think that if if we focus on that, we are building the right building, solving a purpose for users, if we can align on that first and then think about how we are actually building it. So I mean that the blueprint is like tested and validated by data. Like, okay, mm-hmm. in theory, mm-hmm. this should solve the problem. And then once you start building, that's the part where you can start iterating maybe on like these smaller um, smaller angles. I wonder if it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. What about other types of buildings? Um, retail, I think that's one that I find interesting. Right, yeah. You've had some experience with retail, have you? I feel like you may have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much to say on retail. Like on the level of how they build model Scandinavia, 
to like coming into an actual store like is mm. the purpose of the store to show as many clothes as possible or is the purpose of the store to showcase what they have and what you can do with it mm. um there's a store here across the street where they have only one item one and in so they, if they sell pants, they mm. have three different colors and three different sizes. So in total, it's only three pants hanging there. Mm. And if you want to try out another size, someone has to go and get it for you. That's a lot of human labor, of course. Mm. But the store looks so sexy and so organized. And you kind of see what they have. There's not this overwhelming of like, I need to see everything. I need to go through all the wrecks. Um, I can't actually get through here. I've heard the rumor that H&M is designed to be so tight so that you actually like move other places and you, you find new clothes by touching them. I, I wonder how people design stores, actually. They often say it's a lot about now experience, right? The retail experience. Um, and I, I, I can see that, like it's becoming, uh, it's it's not just about spending the least amount of time trying to buy something. People want more than that. They want to, uh, they want the feeling, don't they, of um, of having that shopping experience. I, I think sometimes, well, that's like not really applied to other types of buildings either. Like I think actually you could learn, unlike for an, going back to the office, they could learn a bit from that, from creating an experience mm, yeah. but again whether that comes back to the use of the building i don't know i mean ultimately you are trying to uh create a, a, a great place for um your uh, your staff to be but you also still want them to be productive and again and what you were talking about right this uh, dichotomy of like being in the in the corner office like but you were productive but not happy there must be a meet there has there has to be the happy medium i guess yeah and that's and that's all about meeting like the user needs and also the business needs and this goes for like employers making sure your employees are happy and work mm. uh, or for a product that it's like creating a profit um but also what can you actually build? And that's sometimes where I feel uh, companies on any level, whatever they build or produce are a bit stuck in like, oh, but the status quo is this. So we built this. It's like companies saying we have to build an app. Mm -hmm. And my first question is always, how do you know that, that you need to build an app? Like, do you use this product every day? Is, is there a reason to have a shortcut like this on your phone or is a website good enough? Um, so it's all about feeling, am I building the right thing? And am I doing this because this is the standard way of doing it? Like open mm. office spaces are the standard way of doing it. Mm. Or putting a lot of clothes on a rack is the standard way of doing it. Or should you go another direction? Because there are so many different ways to solve these problems. Right. And it's so easy just to follow that kind of tried and tested path. But it's really difficult to get off it. I mean... You mentioned asking sort of fundamental questions, but what else can you do to 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 strip those layers back and really understand what you're doing? Um, just try to explain it to your five-year-old son. Like, because sometimes ideas make sense in our heads and ideas make sense when you talk to the user and you're like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. 
And then when you try to explain it, it's still really complex and you can't narrow it down to like a level where anyone can understand it. And that can uh, create misconception between like different level of management or colleagues or like, what are we actually building? Who are actually building for? Mm. So when I synthesize my interviews, I never share the full interviews with my colleagues. I go on and on and on and on until I have 10 interviews solidized in like two slides with one sentence on each. And then I try to convey that message. Wow. Okay. So how do you, and how do you, how does that process work? (laughs) You don't know. Okay. The moment I know how to explain this, I don't think I'll have a job anymore, but (laughs) it's a bit, I call it like a bit of artwork. Actually it's, it's about building a puzzle where you don't even know what the end of the puzzle looks like. So I make post-its with quotes and I organize them by theme. And then I make a new post-it with a summary of that theme. And then I organize these post-its into themes just as long until I have only two or three statements left. Um, and that those are the takeaways of research. Okay. And that's the, if I tell you such a down. long story, you're going to forget it. Right. Right. It's just totally boiled down your, what, how much work? weeks of work into two statements yeah so i just talk to users (laughs) sure (laughs) you have to make sure you ask the right questions about the right topic and you have to like do something with the answer you have to listen and take action on it um that's also some people stakeholders could forget Uh, like oh this user did not answer my question right oh this user is not giving the answer I want. Mm. Let's forget it. Mm. This must be an outlier. Well, if you manage to interview an outlier, congrats on that. <laughs> uh, that's great advice. Uh, really interesting. Did you, um, to, let, let's maybe finish off. Let's try and boil this down to two statements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you, yeah. so let's say you are, um, you're going to advise somebody who is uh who has an office and wants to create a better user experience what are like what are the first steps they should be taking i would recommend them what experience do they want their users to have or their employees to have and what experience do the employees have currently and then see how you can bridge this Mm. by testing different layouts and listen to the feedback. Where are you now? Where are you? Where do you want to be next year? And iterate how you get, how you can get there. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Kim. Yeah, I hope it was beneficial. (laughs) It was absolutely very interesting. And, um, yeah, we'll put the link to the, to that book. Um, anything else you recommend? Any other interesting reading about user experience? Yeah, there is. So the mom test is one of them. And the other one I always recommend to anyone is just enough research from Erica Hall, which uh, describes how you can do just enough research, but also pick the right methods. Uh, she has great real life examples on big mistakes uh, and it's a book written so that anyone can understand it. It's two years of master summarized in 
50 pages. Wow, cool. All right, well, that's my reading uh, sorted for the summer. Thank you. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Again, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it was a cool conversation. Yeah, and good luck to all uh, listeners. Hope you (laughs) will make your users and employees happier. Thanks, Kim. Bye.